He read it perfectly. Feeds it through into space here for Carlos Vela. Vela trying to streak his way in. Vela, Vela, Vela! of Los Angeles. We have Pierce Maher representing your tribe. Good people of Copenhagen, Denmark. We have Wally Wallerson. Ryan, what was the third the third name we had for you? Dr. Midnight. Dr. Midnight. We got Dr. Midnight in effect in Copenhagen, Denmark. 23 minutes ago. And my name is Alex Duiz. I am coming to you live from the home of the 2020 Olympic Games in 2021, in which no one can watch them, and it's an entirely televised event, and most people aren't thrilled about it here. Yokohama, Japan, where just the other day, the United States fell in softball to Japan. And I've been enjoying watching all these Olympic events that they never show in the U.S. because the United States isn't good at them including ping pong and judo, lots of judo, which I've really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, I haven't really ever watched softball either. So there you go. We are com- We are the Season Pass podcast, and we're coming to you live from three different time zones, the way we've been doing it all summer, the summer of soccer. In just a few hours, the U.S. will play Qatar in a Gold Cup final. Mexico will play Canada in a Gold Cup final. And one of the players featuring in that final, Mark Anthony K, an LAFC original, is no longer with the club. We will get into that. We will also look ahead to the Sporting Kansas City visit. Sporting Kansas City, arguably the best team in the league at the moment, and uh, come into the bank in a really, really big matchup for LAFC. But before that, I want to get into our two, two, two home draws in the last two games. Uh, it was Vancouver 2-2 first, then just less than 24 hours ago, uh, LAFC welcomed Minnesota United and Minnesota United in the 95th minute in a 93-minute stoppage was able to somehow miraculously get a leveler and that match also finished 2-2. Guys! After coming off the Portland loss, this would make three in a row without a win after they went three straight victories. Uh, was it a false dawn? Were we seeing, are we seeing progress with this team? Is this team yo-yoing ourselves into madness coming up here against Sp- Sporting Kansas City, which will be our exact midway point of the season? Um, yeah, quick takes on either Vancouver or Minnesota or the pair of the games. Uh, Pierce, why don't we start with you? I think you were at one of them, the first one. Yeah, I was able to to be at the game uh, at the bank 
against Vancouver. Unfortunately, I was in Las Vegas for a trade show uh, during the Minnesota match. But the big takeaway from uh, the first game against the Whitecaps, as Bob mentioned, just like a lack of energy. And, and maybe it was a bit of show of you know, playing every three days um, or playing three games in, se- in a week. You know, that could be part of it. Um, we did have a rotation, but maybe not enough. But at the end of the day, they just not come out on the front foot to start the game. The energy was really lacking, and uh, it allowed Vancouver to take an early lead. I did really like their response in the second half. Um, but the story, you know, we're almost nearly halfway through the season. The story of the season is really just not finishing chances. And LAFC still has yet to tally more than two goals in one game. Um, and I say that that's really the story for me in the second game against Minnesota, much energy, uh, lots of good opportunities. And really, you know, Sifu puts away that, that late chance in the second half, you know, the, the late, you know, goals before the final whistle, uh, to tie it at two, two for Minnesota really is relevant. Um, but it really unfortunate and lucky that, uh, Sifu wasn't able to convert the opportunity. Uh, for me, more in Minnesota, it was, you know, just it, it's really unfortunate because that that last goal, you know, you can't really blame anyone. If anything, it comes off a throw in where, you know, it's a transition moment, which tends to be transition moments and and and, and dead ball situations tend to be the Achilles heel so far this season for LAFC. I think of the last six goals uh, let in, I think they've all come off a dead ball situation. I think of the last five or six, I want to say four, come off either a throw-in or a set piece. So that's a little frustrating. But um, overall, I was really happy with the effort against Minnesota. I thought they created a, a ton of chances. They dominated the play. Um and, and really, you know, thought that if one of those chances had gone in, specifically Sifu's at the end, that it, it's a different story. So a little bit of heartbreak, a little bit of concern um, for now. You know, last game, two of them kind of falling apart in the last minutes. Um, I mean, not really falling apart, but one error, one one play kind of defining the game and defining the points. So a bit frustrating, but... As far as style of play goes, they look good. They, but they, if they don't start finishing chances, like we're going to be in trouble. Finishing chances is something I feel like we've talked about from the beginning of this season, maybe even stretching a little bit back to last season. Um, this match, Ryan also featured no Eddie Segura. Um, Murillo was replaced halfway through. After the match, Raheem Edwards said that it wasn't a lack of focus, or maybe Bob said it wasn't a lack of focus, or maybe they both said it wasn't a lack of focus. Um, he said maybe they could have fouled on that last play, but sort of Bob, who said he was in a state of shock following that, attributed the goal sort of just to being unlucky. Um, for you, Ryan, is this a matter of is, – is this a personnel issue? Are there, are there heroes and villains in some of these, uh, you know – the, the way that Kim Moon Hwan was able to dazzle us, but then sort of let down his clearance on the first goal against Vancouver. 
uh, Sifu, who was who had been the hero uh, in the previous game with an incredible goal with Cheeky, was then you know the player that not only missed that really easy chance uh, in around the 87th minute, but then was sort of like fouled. But was he fouled or was he making more of it there at the end when he could have maybe just pulled the guy down and and ended the game and gotten three points? Or is it a matter of what everyone's attributed? It's just sort of an unlucky an unlucky period, and there isn't cause for concern beyond the main theme of just finishing which we've been hearing all season we're all exhausted of but doesn't make it less true brian sorry that was an ex- incredibly long-winded question nestled in with easter eggs like i normally do and yet i think i can glean your overall question from that extended monologue this is why this is why i no longer this is why i no longer directly ask questions to players or coaches because they get tired and just basically like want to fall asleep halfway through the question. Well, we do not get tired of you, Dweez, not here at season pass. So I got you, brother. Um, I think it comes down to a lot of unluck, unluckiness. Um, I think they showed a lot of fight uh, down to nothing. You know, you can pack it in, you can give up. It takes, if you come out without energy and you find yourself down multiple goals in the first half, you know, you have to sit there and assess yourself as as a person, as a as a group of individuals, but also as a team, and say, are we going to allow this to get out of hand, or are we going to fight back and trying to get back and try to get back in this game, uh, try to get back in contention for three points and at the very least pick up one, and they were able to do that, and I I was proud of them for that. Uh, you know, obviously the game didn't start the way we wanted it to. A lack of energy is an easy way to write off a poor execution to open a game. But the reality is that the games are the games and the opponents are the opponents. And especially when you're at home, you need to be able to play 90 minutes of good football, uh, good ideas and good execution. And LAFC didn't come out well in that first uh, in the first game, but they were able to come back uh, against Vancouver. And I thought that that trended. I thought that that bode well for the team. Like, I thought that that was a gut check game, could have gotten really ugly, didn't. They didn't allow it to get out of hand. They were able to, you know, impress their will on the last, call it, uh, hour of the match after, you know, starting the way they did. And kudos for that, right? If they take that draw and are able to parlay it with a win against Minnesota, I don't think that there's nearly as much negative or apprehensive energy around the team right now. Uh, if, if they're able to see that game out, win 2-1, if they're not wanting for a third goal because they let in a second one in the last moments, then I think you're looking at a gritty comeback performance to earn a point and then a couple of really beautiful goals uh, from from your star men to – to get back to that winning wave. And we talked about it. We talked about how their opponents on the last pod are going to ramp up in difficulty and how they needed to take advantage of, you know, not unworthy opponents, but certainly lesser opponents to the likes of Sporting Kansas City at home before getting into the gauntlet against, uh, you know, the, the, the upper echelon of the league. Uh, they didn't do that. You know, two points in two home games, is not a good thing, uh, regardless of how or what the combination is. You know, you you like the comeback, but you hate the last minute goal. It's not the first time it's happened this season, and when it 
becomes a trend the way that it has individual explanations for each individual instance become more and more hollow because the overall picture is that, you know, you're a team that for reasons is liable to allow goals in the final breaths of games that change the dynamic of the outcome and cost you points. It's similar to how it was in 2018. They dropped a bunch of points in the last 10 minutes of the games and found themselves in a position to win the West against Sporting Kansas City in the finale, but weren't able to bring it home. And then when you look back at the entire season and how many games, three points became one point and one point became no points, you know, you only needed two or three examples to find the points that they needed to win the West they may find themselves in a similar position because they, you know, halfway through the season, they've left a lot of points on the table and yet they're still so thoroughly in contention. So I think that it's a bigger problem in the short term because they had this run of, again, not unworthy, but competition that they had, that they, that they should have beat. These were games that they should have won. There's no way around that. And now they're playing games they're going into a stretch where they'll be playing against teams that on paper can beat them, have beat them. And they're going to need to muscle up to get three points in, in the coming matchups. You, that's not great, but in the long term, they're still thoroughly in contention. Their star, the, the star players are starting to score goals. You like the activity that Vela's had the last several games, finding the back of the net. Rossi's looked good. In the moments where these guys are not being villains, Sifu looks really good. Kimun Wan looks really good. Like you are seeing chances created. You may be seeing, as we talked about earlier, them being a little bit wasteful with the opportunities that are coming. And that's what they need. To, and you're right. We've been talking about that for a while. That's what they need to fix. They need to become more clinical, more efficient, more dangerous. The defense is still doing well. You know, obviously, they three. You can't expect teams to pitch three shutouts in four matches all the time. You need an offense that can complement. You know, uh, even if the defense is going to be run of the mill in in a couple matches, you want to be able to win games at home three two four three four two two one. I don't put this on the defense, uh, as Pierce said. That last minute goal against uh, Minnesota doesn't really have a clear. There's no one player to clearly tab that on it's it's a team thing they've got to lock it down uh, and execute in the beginnings and the ends of games we're going to keep saying it until until they get it right consistently that's this team's biggest weakness right now locking things down i mean it's it's sort of it's sort of either it's both but it's one or the other will fix the problem either being able to lock things down and get results or just score more goals (laughs) which is like the way that lafc's always done things and we'd like to see them recently, like, you know, Real Salt Lake away comes to mind that they did lock it down and they were able to, to draw it out. So we've seen flashes of the latter, but we still have not seen this team score more than three goals. Now, in the last five games, they've scored two goals in every single one of them, but one. So four out of the last five. It's like they're ready to score a third goal. So, so ready. Sifu was so, so ready in the 87th minute to score that third goal. On top of that, Carlos Vela, who, you know, has had a very difficult time for many reasons getting back to the form of 2019, his record-setting year, he has scored in all four of the last games. So four straight games with a goal for Carlos. He's starting to get back to that. You know, when you watch his movements and his play, 
I don't think anyone who watches football consistently could say that he is the same player he was in 2019. There are still moments where he's, he's not, I don't know if it's a matter of sharpness or it's a matter of age or it's a matter of uh, other things. He's not, he's not the, the Carlos Vela of 2019, even though he started to score again. Now, the fact that we're seeing more of that Carlos Vela is good and bodes well for solving the problem of, of goals. But I mean, as you, as you guys both alluded to as well, the, the glaring problem, the glaring trend here is that LAFC have dropped more points at home than they've won games at home. So I believe it's four, they have four victories at home and five games they've dropped points, one of which was a loss and four of which were draws. And that's just not, that's just not okay for any team, but much less a team who has made their home into a fortress, who has the support LAFC does behind it and prides themselves on that support. Um, there just hasn't been enough fireworks at home and they have a whole second half of the season to, to turn that around. And to that end, I'd like to get in a little bit into team news here because there is the rumored Colombian forward. I've seen photos of this Colombian, this elusive Colombian forward arriving at the airport with some LAFC supporters. So, you know, we believe we're, we're days away from an announcement to that end LAFC made a trade this week, uh, which took a lot of LAFC supporters by surprise. You know, the reactions were mixed between people feeling excited that, uh, you know, Mark was ready to, to move on to other things. And people who remember the Mark Anthony K, Atuesta and Latif Blessing midfield of 2019, that was just an unbelievable force and we couldn't imagine letting him go. So guys, can we get some thoughts on, on Mac who has always been a great, guest of this podcast and who has always been i'm sorry of our fcfc podcast he's always been with ryan and i really kind with his time and just an overall good dude uh one of those solid lafc on and off the field folks can we maybe ryan let's start with you what was your initial impressions of his departure and just sort of your overall thoughts now that now that the dust has settled a little bit and he's in colorado with steve betajur well, first of all, it's like, what's up with Colorado and just, like, snatching up all these former LAFC players? They just remember 2019, and, like, if we, can get, if we can get as much of that roster as possible, maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle. Uh, and, you know, maybe they're right, uh, because they've gotten two quality players off of LAFC's roster. I mean, Mac was always someone that had a lot of potential. Uh, he came from Louisville. Uh, you knew he was going to be a player that was going to be heavily coached up Bob always sang praises about how open to learning and open to improving he was he was uh you know he was one of those prototypical Bob Bradley guys and I think that's why he stuck around as long as he did uh I remember between the 2018 and 2019 seasons wondering how much thinking about how much turnover there was going to be and wondering if he was going to stick and then I remember Dweez, you and I talking to him after he got the contract extension about you know, just how that made his confidence level rise and how he knew that that meant he was going to be in the black and gold for at least a little bit longer. Uh, and it turned out to be so. You know, he's had some big moments with this team. He's played in some big games for this team. And as they like to say for all former players, but it's extremely true about Mac. He's part of their history. Uh, we know that this is a business uh, they got a good return for him. Uh, I, I think if you look at what they 
acquired him from St. Louis, uh, from Louisville FC for, and then what they sold him for. They're happy with the return on the investment. And that's the business side of it, player side of it. They're bringing another player in, a player that hopefully is going to help with the execution and the performance on offense. Uh, obviously, nothing's confirmed yet, but the, the writing's all over the wall. It, it had to have been a tough call for the brass to make. Uh, I think that Matt brought a lot of good things to this team. It was a huge part of the leadership in the locker room, and you do lose that. Uh, and that's not a, it's not something that's going to show up in the in the box in the box due to the stat line, but it's important. And you know that that leadership is going to have to come from other places now. It's like LAFC likes to say that they defend as a committee, leader lead as a committee, but there are pivotal there are pivotal points foundational players that support that overall system and Mac was one of them. So I think that is the biggest thing that they lose um, from loot from, from losing him as a player. And I say that at, talking about a member of that tremendous midfield from 2019, you know, his fingerprints are all over that season. So at his best, he was a dangerous player for LAFC, maybe again, not showing up in the assists and the goals racking up, but in terms of, playing that team-wide defense, moving the ball into the attacking third so that the players around him could get into those dangerous situations. And, you know, we've seen him run down the line and score a couple of times. I got, the the worst beer shower that I ever got caught in was a Mark Anthony Cagle. So uh, I, I've definitely got my share of memories. Uh, you know, I'll wrap it up. Big, big, big member of the team and its history and moving forward, they, they do lose something for, for moving him. Hopefully this doesn't go the way of Walker Zimmerman and a glaring hole uh, forms in the midfield and we end up regretting this trade months and months from now. But I don't foresee that happening. Uh, he wasn't quite on the field as foundational as Walker was. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely see if, uh, if the trade makes the team better in the short term and in the long how the uh, – the leadership that they're losing passes on to other members, new members, old members, just how, how, how it uh, coalesces back among the roster. Ryan alluded to the fact that this was a business. And we also know that LAFC from the beginning have stated their desire to develop and then sell on players. We haven't seen that as much as we expected so far this season. A lot of that has been attributed to the COVID pandemic and the transfer markets just sort of changing who knows for how long. Um, yeah, what's interesting about this one is like, I think that the Walker Zimmerman trade in the beginning was like glaringly, obviously, you know, short sighted and caused LAFC to have a lot of problems at first. But then once Segura and Murillo were playing paired together, you could argue that that was a better center back pairing than LAFC has ever had. Now we saw what that looks like when they're not together last night. So it's sort of like this evolving thing, whether that that trade was was good or not. Um, you could also make the case, I suppose, that Walker could have gotten better with Eddie or another, you know, defender, or he could have, you know, declined. He's excelled in Nashville. Um, who knows? Who, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough to know. It sounds like on LAFC's end, they have certain thresholds, and when they get certain types of bids and certain types of thresholds, that sort of automatically triggers. They take the emotion, emotional part out of it, and that sort of automatically tr- triggers the necessity of the sale. Um, you know, in, in Mark's case, it, it's similar. I mean, you're losing a leader, a guy who's been there from the beginning, just like Walker had been. And yet, 
I feel like the dependence on it being a bad trade is more about whether or not you lose an Edward Atuesta quickly too, or you lose, you know, a Lidtief blessing too, uh, or, you know, or, or a Sifu, you know, if, or if any of those two players, any of those three disappear at the same time and Poncho Janela might, you know, it's, it's a weird thing with these trades. Um, and I think until LAFC start winning championships consistently, you know, they'll probably, people will pick it apart on either side. And, you know, some people will feel like LAFC is just the empire and like they have no, they have no heart uh, to keep players and there's no loyalty and there's no, you know, paying players uh, who, who've been off the field and on the field contributors to LFC, people are going to have their different opinions. Pierce, what has been your sort of initial take of the Mark trade? Uh, we know he hasn't had the type of season we've seen him have in the past, but what did you think about it, your first impressions, and what you think now? Well, I, I agree with the sense that you know, once FC gets an offer over a certain threshold, like they're going to move forward. Um, and I'd also say with maybe the lack of sales abroad that that that, you know, this became more, um, not necessarily necessary, but more uh, something they were more open to do because of it. Um, with that said, you know, Mark's one of those players that was in the first game of LAFC history to win up in Seattle. Um, just like uh, Ryan said, his fingerprints are all over the 2019 uh, season where he broke all the records. Um, and, you know, although he has struggled this year, he's been a great locker room guy. He's been a great uh, LAFC uh, almost brand uh, ambassador. He's been great for the community. Um, and, and just it's one of those where it, it kind of really tugs on the heartstrings of, you know, it's 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 tough to see him go and to see someone who's grown so much with AFC over the last couple of years, like, you just wish him the best of luck, hopefully not against us, but uh, he'll definitely be a, a big contributor to the Colorado Rapids uh, organization as well as the roster. And I think his impact with the fans and his impact in the community were just as uh, important and valued as his impact on the field. So with that said, he'll be dearly missed. I do think uh, it creates opportunities uh, for in the midfield, I think Blessing will see more time. I think you'll definitely see uh, Bryce Duke get a couple more opportunities than normal. And more than ever, I think this is uh, Pancho Janela's time to really break in and make an impact. Um, you know, he's he was definitely seen more as a like-for-like -like, uh, replacement for Edward Tuesta, but I think this also allows him the or allows Bob the opportunity to play Edward further upfield. Thing I've kind of been begging to see for the last year, year and a half. Um, I think Edward can have a lot bigger impact on the attacking side of things. Um, so if we can play if if Bob feels comfortable playing Poncho at that sixth spot. You know, I think having Edward further up the field is great. Uh, I think Sifu's really blossomed uh, after you know not going to the Copa America. He's he's really cemented his spot in the starting lineup. He's also a workhorse, just like. Mark Anthony K was on the offensive and defensive side and, but is like really, you know, has scored goals and, and is, is making, is getting in the right places, is getting the chances. I'm really excited for him. And when it comes to these trades, it's all about timing. Um, 
And I think, you know, especially with, you know, COVID impacting the, the trade value of assets, you know, that's something to consider as well. But um, at the end of the day, super happy for Mark. Um, it's going to, it just gives more opportunities to our midfield to get more chances that we've got there and uh, we'll see what happens. But if, as far as the, the most productive guys, Bob's kind of got a four man rotation in there that he's pretty comfortable with. Um, and I think, you know, barring injury, you know, those will be the main four that play with some other guys getting chances here and there. They got options and those options will turn out how they'll turn out. Meanwhile, Olympic football is running. We've got a Colombian forward in Christian Arango Chicho, I believe his nickname is. Shout out to the LAFC Sin Filtro podcast, who uh, is who are the ones I believe who met him at the airport and he signed the the sort of the tifo, the banner that they had made, the trapa that they had made for him. So uh, we're assuming this is going to be announced. Maybe this is the 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 answer to all of LAFC's finishing problems. Uh, maybe this is that, that, that forward that they've been looking for. Who knows? They've always got chicks up their sleeve, and that's one thing that keeps this team exciting. And they're going to need to be exciting because they're playing Sporting Kansas City at home in the midweek on Wednesday. This is the team that recently defeated the Sounders pretty, pretty handily at, away at Seattle. Um, Seattle has been troubled by injuries, but this was sort of the moment where you feel like the momentum for the first place slot shifted in the Western conference in Kansas city's favor. I believe they've scored the most goals in the Western conference. They're a dangerous team. We know that they have always been an organized unit um, and they've had some success against LAFC in the past. Looking at this match and knowing that LAFC will have a full week now to recover before that game. Um, and and it will be the last game of the first half of the season. What are you guys hoping to see against Sporting Kansas City? And is there anything they need to be wary of uh, about this team? Uh, Ryan, why don't we start with you and we'll let Pierce close it out. Uh, goals. They need to be wary of goals facing Sporting Kansas City because SKC scores a lot of them. Uh, they just, yes, Seattle is shorthanded, but Seattle is still Seattle. And so to get beat 3-1, is a significant scoreline, especially because it uh, you know, dictates recent form. Uh, that's a quality win. And so LAFC are coming off two matches where there was quality featured in them, but the overall you know, results are, are below the standard that the team has for itself. So you're facing a good team in good form at home, and it's the last game of a homestand that's followed by three consecutive road games and then back home for L.A. Derby, which, you know, is going to be oversold and overscrutinized. So it's an interesting stretch uh, for LAFC because quality opponents, road games, uh, uh, Traffico, der uh, L.A. Derby, whatever you want to call it. I wish the team was going into this stretch on – you know, uh, on better terms. I, I wish they'd finished out the 2-1. Like I said before, if, if they fight back for that 2-2 draw and then get the three points against Minnesota, you know, you feel good about that as a jumping off point going into this stretch. Uh, as is, we know that the team still remains on the verge of that third goal. Uh, we just watched 
Sporting Kansas City put three in the back of the net against Seattle. Their defense hasn't been quite as sharp as it was during that stretch where they had those consecutive shutouts. So you know that the opportunities could be there for SKC to take advantage of. I expect goals in the match. And so LAFC is going to have to match uh, Sporting Kansas City's energy, execution, and firepower. And you can't expect them to come out not firing on all cylinders because every team in the league, no matter what their current form is, gets up to play LAFC, especially when they're coming into the bank because the black and gold have such a historically good record there. If they're vulnerable, then teams are going to try to take that strike. So LAFC has to answer that challenge. It's one that they set for themselves. They put that target on their own back for all the right reasons, but you know, now you have to live in those conditions. And it'd be a great game to see them come out and play a complete 90 minutes, you know, take advantage of clinical scoring opportunities and put the ball in the back of the net and also stymie sporting Kansas City's offense. That would be a huge defensive accomplishment. And, you know, if a third goal finally comes here against sporting Kansas City, then you can feel good leaving the bank and going on the road, even though they did what they did in these last two games. You know, two points in these last two matches doesn't feel good. If they can get more points than you would expect out of the Sporting Kansas City game, then you forgive some of that and you move on into the road trip. But, you know, even a tie here, three three points in three games is, is not what you want to see at this point in the season from this team, especially with all those games coming at home, because then what do you expect from three consecutive road games? They've got the week of rest. I think that's a big deal because, as Pierce mentioned, playing three games in a week does take a physical toll. Uh, Dweez, we've heard Bob complain about MLS scheduling almost as much as we've heard him complain about turf. So it's a good opportunity for them to rest, reassess, recommit to those football ideas that we know they aspire to. And, you know, uh, I really do hope for – 90 minutes of execution and clinical finishing and tight, aggressive, mean, muggy defense against uh, Sporting Kansas City. I'd love to see nothing more. We all want to see more mean mugging in all aspects of our lives. LAFC have the chance to show that they are at least as good at home or get as many as at least as many wins at home as they get not wins, which I think is a big deal. Uh they're going against one of the best teams in the West. I mean, it, it feels like this game is a really big game for LAFC. And um, it's sort of a lot of things, a lot of types of momentum are hinging here. I mean, if they can beat SKC and put in a good performance and beat SKC in, in the bank, I mean, I think it could bode well for the upcoming road stretch and bode well for the upcoming, you know, the rest of the season. Uh, Pierce, what do you think that they're going to have to do to get all three points at home? And will you be there to take it all in? Unfortunately, I won't be there. Uh, I've got a coach that evening. Um, but coach, I will coaching always comes game. coaching always comes first for all you coaches out there. This is why we brought Coach Pierce on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, no, the just as Ryan mentioned, I think this this preparation is going to be super important to recharge the batteries. Uh, I know. Murray's got a hamstring that they're monitoring. Eddie's got a knee that they're looking deeper into. So this is a good time to get some rest, um, you know, be fresh because Kansas City plays Dallas on Saturday evening at 530 at home. 
and then we'll have to make the trip out west. So maybe we can catch them a little tired or a little sluggish, um, but it'll be mainly on LAFC's had to be a good time to get rest, get recouped, and be full barrel to go against Kansas City. The last time they played, they actually did really well defensively outside of the red card that put them in the hole. Um, I actually thought they limited uh, Sporting Kansas City's chances really well. So if they can duplicate that defensive effort, um, this really becomes a momentum start for the second half of the season, which I think is really important. Um, what is good regarding LAFC's current schedule in the month of August is after Kansas City, they get another short turnaround playing San Jose, who's at the lower half of the Western Conference table. Um, but after that, you know, the really only top other opponent they play is uh, the, the Carson team at the end of the month. So, um, you know, this looks like a good month to, to get points. It looks, I mean, although they are on the road, it, it's still against opponents that are struggling uh, outside of the game against Kansas City and L.A. So I think it can really kind of get them going. And if they can pair two games, six points, two games, six points um, through the month of August, I think that these two, two, two draws go out the window and, and are, you know, not even on the radar. If they lose, you're definitely going to see some panic with supporters. Uh, again, to me, it's always going to be how did they play? What was the style of play? What were the chances looking like? Um, that's kind of how I always judge the game. And, and based off the, the last match, they looked great. Literally just need to convert. So for me, the biggest thing is if they can duplicate the effort on the defensive end and the injuries to uh, Murray and Segura aren't serious, uh, I think they'll be fine. It's just going to be, can they convert the chances they get? Can they convert? We need religious missionaries to come to LAFC's training ground and convert them all to the religion of finishing like they did in 2019. Remind them of who they are. These guys got to get three goals at some point. My my hot take is that until we get three goals, I don't know what it is. It's something about the three goal mark. Until we get three goals, I feel like this team is not going to reach its potential and will continually be in this spiral of frustration. The match is a 7.30 kickoff on Wednesday, the 4th of August? The 3rd of August, yes. A uh, 4th of August, yes, 4th of August. Um, it's, you look, guys, we're always dealing with different time schedules. You guys know we're coming at you from three different continents, three different time zones. It's the season pass podcast of the future, 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 future. For Ryan, Wally, Wallace, Pierce, Coach Pierce, Maher, Dr. Midnight's over there, well past midnight now. And the next stop is Sporting Kansas City. The game's actually on the fifth for me. (laughs) 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 Season pass podcast out. Deuces, y'all. Alright, we did it. Uh, get me the... The next stop is... Expo, Vermont Station. Please stand clear.